Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good whatever time of the day you get your Booleans fix, everyone. I am Alex, and I'm joined by Costa, as always. Hello, how's it going? It's going well, Costa. It's going, it's going really well. Really excited uh, for everyone to hear this conversation we've just had with um, an old lecturer of mine, Mr. Shane Bevan. Um, have I ever told you about Shane Costa? Uh, you've told me a story with him that I think <laughs> you went into in this podcast that everyone is very keen on hearing. I am, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad he remembers that. I, I'm not going to lie, I fanned out a bit when he, um, when I brought it up and he remembered it. I just assumed as a, as a lecturer, and I go into this as well, asking him about this, but I feel like as a lecturer, your emotional bandwidth would just fizzle out at some point and you would just be like, I don't remember you because he was my Shane Bevan was my lecturer um, six years ago, seven years ago, you know, so like I've kept in contact with him online and, you know, check out all the cool stuff he's doing. But um, it's been it's been a while and he still remembered and it was it was very heartwarming. That means he that means he liked you. (laughs) I hope so. Or he hated me. He hated me so. (laughs) No. You should have asked him that. Yeah, yeah, I should have got to the hard questions. Um, But for those, you know, who... um, Most people who listen are familiar with who Shane Bevan is. If you're from South Australia um, and you're in game development. um, And, uh, yeah, he's touched everyone, really. If it's not... if If you weren't taught directly by him, you've seen his work pop up. You've heard stories about him. He's just an incredibly... Um, inspirational inspirational person not even just teacher he's just an inspirational person Um, incredibly he's done a lot he's he's done done a lot you've got the list there haven't you of all the all the stuff run us to it Costa what what is what's his CV yeah well uh, yeah he's done a lot of 3D I mean you know he he knows a lot about everything really Um, and yeah, unfortunately, I had to jump out in the middle of this podcast, but um, it's been good listening to it back and just listening about like all the pieces of advice that he had. So it's been, yeah, I think everyone will enjoy it. It's a really cool episode. Yeah, he, um, yeah, we go into some good things, you know, about education, about being a teacher, um, about, you know, he was also a founding member of SA Studio Monkey Stack. Um, so we, you know, found out the story of why and how that started what it's like starting a business with your friends which is something you and i have a lot of experience with not this i actually didn't even think about that of this podcast but just you know in general of, of starting businesses with friends and it's a it's a tough thing to balance um we talk about that we talk about um coping with burnout <clears throat> and bouncing back um you brought up a good one about you know what to do with the creativity well runs dry because as mm. i mentioned he's very consistent with his posting and his art and um his social media presence he's always tinkering and working on something um he doesn't ever seem to yeah have that well run out and he goes into that um what to do when that happens and how to exercise that creativity um, and also getting inspired by students, which I thought was a very uh, nice and honest and open chat. Because you think of it as a, the traditional format of education. It's a one-way street kind of thing of, 
I've learned this before, so do as I say and you will learn this. Mm. And we go into what it means to be like inspired by your students to work in such a creative field. So let me, on that, let me quickly bring up, because I've minimized it like an idiot, <laughs> like an idiot, Costa. Let me bring up, you uh, You did some good <laughs> prodding around and you found all the, the things he's done in the background, you know. He's had clients as Nickelodeon, ABC, Schneider Electric, and others. <laughs> um, and others. <laughs> and others, as you've got here. But yeah, and as we go into, uh, he's incredibly well versed in every program and i remember this back in my days of being a student of his um very well versed in every piece of software every part of the pipeline of game development if you ever had a program whether it was sculpting ar uh, programming whatever it was you could ask him he'd be like oh you, and you know what you'd even try to one-up him you'd be like hey i um i started looking at this and he'd be like oh yeah and he'd no ego to him at all. Would be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've 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 looked at that myself. Yeah, yeah. How'd you find this? And you're like, ah crap. I haven't gotten to that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very well versed. Um, incredibly nice person. Um, yeah. I hope hope everyone gets something something out of this. Mm. And um, if you're joining us on Spotify or on Apple. I don't know how, how they do it on Apple, but on Spotify, it's only a mobile feature. But um, if you've listened to us before and you like what you hear, feel free to give us a, uh, a rating. And um, yeah. And drop us a review on drop. Apple. Give us a, uh, a rating and drop us a, a comment. We'd love to hear. But only um, if you like and it, it. And it. And if you like it. And it helps <laughs> uh, increase our visibility as well. So it gets, gets booleans out to a lot more people as well. So It does. Yeah. And if we get out to a lot more people, we get SA out to a lot more people and we got some cool stuff to share. So without further ado, please enjoy probably one of the most fun conversations I've ever had amongst many. Don't want to alienate any of the guests. Uh, Mr. Shane Bevan. Um, so I, the, I was telling Costa about this. The, um, before it, you know, we start um getting into things um basically you know i've had a lot of profound experiences let's say with lectures over the years but as an experience i had with you that probably takes the cake <laughs> and i'm wondering if you can remember what it was it was during my first year at flinders i can i can remember exactly what it was um, <laughs> uh, i i remember you doing a uh, a presentation um uh, of your work for the semester <laughs> uh, stand, standing up the front of a lecture theatre and um, uh, doing a, a really good job of oh, uh, of, of delivering how awesome your work was, <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, uh, uh, about oh, I don't know, it must have been about two minutes in, uh, you kind of stopped and your eyes defocused, <laughs> and then you kind of just looked straight ahead. And uh, um, Simon Scales and myself were about three rows back watching in the lecture theatre, and I and I turned to Simon and I said. I think he's going down. <laughs> and I jumped up and ran down and uh, luckily, luckily got there just in time to, to catch you like some kind of um, superhero <laughs> and, uh, and and then slap you around the face a bit and say, Alexa, are you, are, are you okay? 
<laughs> and oh, it turned yeah. out it turned out that yes, you'd uh, you'd had a, a lack of sleep, maybe <laughs> not enough food, and um, uh, and then you'd hyped yourself so much to do an amazing. Um, performance that uh, that I think you'd forgotten to breathe as well, <laughs> but you're you, still here with us and you were fine. So it's all we, good. I was uh, we did good. It sounds I, um, like your origin story, Alex. This it is, like it is. Hero, superhero origin story. It, it has become legend amongst my friends, and um, yeah, I can honestly say Shane is the only lecturer to sweep me off my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't push you down. I only caught you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, did, you swept me onto my feet. Yeah, that's no, right. No, I remember yeah, yeah. that. It, I'd never fainted before, and I'd never had an issue with uh, mm -hmm. public speaking. It was, um, I was standing up there, and I just had this sudden urge to get off the stage. Like, it felt like I had to go to the toilet. I didn't have to go to the toilet. I was just like, nope. <laughs> and then literally, it's like- you know, like when you fall asleep in, as a kid, you fall asleep in front of the TV or something and you wake up and I don't know, your parents are carrying you to bed or you're in a different <laughs> spot. And you said to me, do you know where you are? And I'm like, it was literally a second flash of doing a presentation just straight in it. And you're like, do you know where you are? And I'm like, yeah, I'm giving a presentation. You're like, no, you faint <laughs> fainted. And there's like, I don't know, 60 people just staring at us. And uh, our friend, Freddie Alfredo uh, looked after me. I Went straight to McDonald's, got a large Fanta, <laughs> had to get some orange in me, and we were good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the presentation uh, was fine up until that point, and the grades were good after that point, so it's yeah. all good. <laughs> that was definitely in the feedback, yeah. No, that was – it's a fun story. I, I, I definitely love that one, and it's, it's one that, um, yeah, now as a, as a lecturer doing presentations, I love to tell this, you know, my students and, and stuff, but – Anyway, enough about me. Um, so, before we get into your journey, I wanted to cover um, a bit of, you know, why I know you, you know, um, and why a lot of us who listen know you. It's because, you know, you're a lecturer um, with Flinders and um, it's something you do incredibly well, but it's also something that you can tell is like real, like personal to you that um, the students are, you know, ready for industry and that they're inspired and they're creative um which you know i'm learning is very tricky to do in a in a university setting um so to start you off with the hard question do you reckon you can teach someone to be creative or do you reckon it's better to teach them the tools and inspire them to create oh that's a jesus straight into the hard question <laughs> um uh can you teach someone to be creative? I, I actually actually think you can. Um, uh, I've taught a lot of people over the years in a lot of different areas. Um, uh, you know, I've taught creatives, but I've also taught non-creatives. And um, I think as boring as it sounds, creativity is a process. And um, and I think one, one way to think about creativity is that it's everyone's got it. It's just unlocking it and how you unlock it. And um, and for me, uh, and once again, you know, it, it sounds really boring, but if you trust in the process and you have a process that works for you, um, uh, you can unlock creativity. So uh, I always say this to the to to first years. Um, for me, if I start off with a blank screen in front of me, I have to do something straight away. So if I've got a blank piece of paper or if I've got a blank iPad sitting in front of me, I'll just draw a circle down the bottom right corner right? And that's it. That, that now says to my brain, okay, it's time to be creative. Um, not everyone 
uh, can unlock and access that creativity at will. And this is this is where it gets really difficult. Is that um, in business and when you get out into industry, uh, you know, you can't just say hey, boss, I'm really good at three o'clock in the morning. That's when the creativity really hits. When you've got a nine to five and you've got clients that are expecting stuff by five. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's for, for me, I think you can teach it. You can teach the process. Um, and then it's up to the person to bring the passion. And it's, I think it's the passion that makes people go, oh, you're so talented or, hey, why can you do this when I can't? Um, uh, that's, that, I, I think that's the, that's the harder part. That's, that's the real creativity is bringing that passion. And, um, I was wondering if you've if you've seen this study or this graph that it was shown to me this year. It was basically showing that um, creativity hits starts its peak at like three to four years old, and then by the time you're about what is it like ten or thirteen, it's dropped like I don't know some crazy number <laughs> like seventy percent, and it's like bottomed out. And that you could get it back, but you have to incredibly mm-hmm. train it hard. Yeah, I, I look, I. I was all right at school. I wasn't great at school. Um, I was terrible at maths, and maths kind of dragged me down in lots of areas. Um, but I really liked. I really liked primary school, and I really liked the early days of high school. Um, uh, but I remember my parents coming back from a parent-teacher night, you know, mid mid primary school, and saying to me, uh, "Your teacher says that you kind of uh, live in a world of your own." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. And they're like, mm, well, you know, maybe it's cool. But um, uh, however, uh, my parents always supported the kind of the creative path. And um, even at, even that turned into a turned into a joke. You know, the dad, dad's always said things like, you know, oh, yeah, just just do what the teacher wants though the, and and then do what you want in the background um, so so for me I, I think I haven't seen that study exactly but I, I, I kind of understand it um, kids can lose creativity really fast um, uh, and you know the world's a the world's a complex place at the moment for for all of us and I think um, you know the the kids who are accessing that kind of creative world they're they're the ones that are probably finding their way through this best um when when did mine disappear it just never did um like mm. you know i i um every every night if i if i want to i can sit down and make something whether it's a sculpture or a, um, a drawing or whatever it is um and i feel like i can just do that and it, the wells never run dry um mm. But you know, it's it, it's still it's a roller coaster. Sometimes, sometimes it's like a hundred percent. Sometimes it's like twenty percent. But I, I think it's also something that you have to kind of exercise. I'm sounding super boring here. It's all about process and exercising and practice <coughs> and all of that sort of stuff. But I, but I actually nah. think that, that 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 is true. Yeah, I'm beaming. You're, yeah. you're still my lecturer after all these years. Um, I was <laughs> Thank you ask, for the kind words as well, for sure. <laughs> I was going to ask actually about the, like, you mentioned just how you always, like, the, the well never runs dry. Is there, um, you mentioned it's like a roller coaster as well. Wh- what do you do when it's kind of like at, at zero, you know? Yeah. And you need yep. to, you almost need to, you know, think creatively. Like, is this something that you do that helps you? 
Uh, yep, I just watch stuff. I play stuff. I um, jump on art station. I, you know, there's. I think there's two ways that you can look at amazing art and animation, whatever out there. There's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it and be threatened by it, or you can look at it and be inspired by it. And I'm always inspired. Um, uh, and I think I think the reason why. I get inspiration, not threat, is that I decided a long time ago, and this is this is a, a good thing to decide a long time ago, is that <laughs> there was always going to be people that were better than I am, or always going to be people who were better at doing certain things. And that shouldn't stop me from doing that stuff anyway. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's all about just, just creating. And that creation actually... You know, it drives the it drives the motivation. I, I saw a saw a meme, and you guys probably seen it. There's a meme that's going around at the moment that says something along the lines of, um, "Motivation's not the problem. Getting rolling's not the problem. Like, or getting started. You've just got to get started, and then the motivation comes from the little successes along the way. Um, and I, I I think that's a that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah, actually, that it does uh, raise an an area that um, wanted to get into um, around that because, you know, along with you being a, a professional, you know, lecturer and tutor, you're basically that in your online presence as well. Like, you know, everyone who follows you, you're out of all the artists that I follow, you're probably the most consistent. Like every night you're working on a new project. If it's a sculpt, if it's a most fractal animations that I have no idea how you do. And <laughs> how do you, how do you stay consistent? Like, is it, is it a slog? Is it like a you know you have to do it or you want to do it? Uh, I I have to do it because I want to do it. Um, <laughs> and what what I know that's that's a strange statement, but um, for me that's actually my my kind of that's that's I, I often call them, and you've you've probably seen this. I call them my wind down images. So at the yeah. end of a day. I'm completely shattered. Um, you know, I've had a full day lecturing or, um, you know, with a client or whatever. Um, uh, being able to just sit on the couch, throw on some cool YouTube and uh, and just make stuff, that's, that's, what, that's what keeps me keeps me going um so uh you know i don't like saying things like it's a it's it's a sanity thing um because there's lots of you know there's lots of ways to deal with mental health issues and things like that and i that's not something that i've had to deal with in the past um and and now um so for me i don't want to sound flippant about it but it is a chance for me to just kind of unwind and just reset my brain a little bit the mm. good the good thing is that Probably, I'd say sixty percent of what I do in that wind down is probably going to end up in a lecture or a workshop, or a, um, and not not necessarily exactly that, but that could be a starting point. So, so um, you know, I often say to colleagues at work that it may seem like I'm just kind of doodling around, making stuff on an iPad, but actually it's, it, it's, it's kind of research and it makes a, it, it, it does actually make a difference. But 
really it's it's a sanity check it's a chance for me to just sit down and say this is this is my time to just create something i'm super lucky Uh, my partner marina sits on the couch next to me she makes jewelry we like the same movies we we watch the same youtube videos um you know we we it's it's just the two of us kind of hanging out on the couch with our cat Um, (laughs) uh, we are we're not out and about very often the, the whole lockdown thing was like, eh, okay. Um, uh, so, so yeah, we spend a lot of time creating. So, And um, with that, with, uh, you know, spending so much time creating, um, working in a creative job, whether it's, you know, lecturing or if it's uh, contract work, how do you have to consciously prevent burnout? And have you burnt out? And if you have burnt out, how did you come back from it? Mm. Um, I, I did burn out and it was a, it was a whole, um, kind of, uh, perfect storm is the wrong word for this, but it was a perfect storm. So, um, after, after many years, um, working in production, um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned Monkey Stack before, um, Justin, Troy and myself, um, started Monkey Stack, um, together and I absolutely loved everything about working with clients um uh you know i I was pretty good at dealing with a variety of different clients and every every day i'd turn up and do something different like you know monkey stack is does a lot of weird stuff (laughs) and in those early days there were three of us doing all of the weird stuff so it was kind of magnified even more and what that um what that meant for me was that um uh you know i was i was finding I was finding lots of ways of not burning out because everything was changing. Um, but I, I had an unfortunate kind of year um, where I was kind of, you know, just starting to be a little bit over the production stuff. Um, uh, not the environment, not the not the studio, but the just the everyday kind of client interactions were just starting to wear on me a little bit. And then my mum got really sick and Marina got sick at the same time. Um, and uh, mum unfortunately passed away and um, uh, Marina Marina was fine but it was just that tiny little trigger that made me go actually I'm, I'm not up for this anymore um, I started out as a teacher and so I, I said to Justin and Troy at Monkey Stack you know I'm, I'm going to return to teaching um, go keep going keep going and they and of course they have they're doing awesome work um and uh um you know the i i I would never i would never give back any of that time even that period of time where i was really kind of um burnt burnt out um it's it's kind of allowed me to not be burnt out again um but owning your own business is it's a it's a different thing. Um, you know, you, you hear people say, oh, yeah, you own your own business so you can have more time to yourself. And it's like, rubbish. That's not <laughs> yeah. the way it works. <laughs> so every day you kind of, you know, you, if you have a day off, you're kind of worrying about what's happening in the studio. And it's, it, you know, it takes a takes a really a certain type to be able to do it. Justin and Troy are amazing at it and always have been. And I was amazing at it as well until I wasn't. So, yeah. Uh, and what did that um, that shift do to you? Like, um, like, because you know, I had a, a melon head with you know mm-hmm. Pat and George, and mm-hmm. you know, we're still same as your Justin and Troy, basically. You yeah. know, like still yeah. 
great terms, things like that. But I, same deal. I mean, different circumstances, but burnt out. But mm. I like, it felt like I lost my, who I was um, by leaving it. Um, like I couldn't touch anything creative for like three months. I yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. feel like I deserved it or not deserved it, but I couldn't, I couldn't face it. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's um, uh, you end up in this weird kind of, uh, you know, when, when you leave something really big and, you know, that wasn't my first career change. So when you leave something really big, you then have this level of guilt that kind of goes with you. And so, you you know, for, for quite a while, and I'm sure Justin and Troy would, would have a giggle about this because they, 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 they would understand. Um, but for a while, uh, if I was sitting at home and just had some spare time to play a game, I felt guilty about it because mm. I was thinking like, oh wait, you know, I should be doing something. Um, yeah. And then I and then I'd think, oh poor Justin and Troy, you know, that client that they're dealing with. I know, I know how hard that is. And so it did. It did take a little while to kind of reset. Um, uh, having said that, um, you know, once again, the the guys at Monkey Stack are so awesome at doing what they're doing that um, uh, I. I lost that pretty quickly. Um, and one of the things that we did discuss when I left Monkey Stack, Ju Justin was like, oh, you know, you could come back in and do some little bits here and there. And I was like, there's a slippery slope there. If I start doing a little bit, then I'm going to do a little bit more. And then suddenly I'm back in. Um, and it was really time for me to get back to teaching anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's important thing, um, knowing when to say, like, that's it. I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm full. I don't need any any more because um, I felt the same thing. You know, if I come back for a little bit, I'm not yeah. going to leave. Um, yeah. And yeah, as you said, it's an incredible character on the ones who uh, remain at the studio to facilitate that. I mean, what yeah. else could they do? But at the same time, you feel that you're like, you know, that's it's touching in, in that moment when you need that. That's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they and they knew that um, it wasn't a normal situation that I was just like, you know, a bit tired or, um, you know, I'd, I'd get over it. It was like, okay, this is a trigger for a real kind of um, life change. Um, and it, even though it was a life change, it was really just a change back to what I was originally doing. So yeah, yeah, sure. And on that, so uh, on Monkey Sack, how did how did that all? come about how did you meet justin and troy and <laughs> what was the itch what was the gap that was out there yeah let, let, let me give you a really quick rundown so um <laughs> so the rundown is that i originally um uh, studied um to be um a junior primary school teacher uh, I, mm. I always wanted to be a teacher um, I had some weird stuff happen in year 12 because we were moving around. We moved from Sydney to Adelaide and then Adelaide. And it was, it, I was kind of caught in, in, a, in a weird loop of topics that I didn't even know existed and didn't want to take. Um, and so I left, I left school halfway through um, year 12. Um, I'm not advising that anyone does this, um, <laughs> but um, uh, I got a job in retail um, I kind of am advising that everyone has at least you know two months in retail just so they treat <laughs> retail people better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but but at the end of um, you know at the end of my degree in junior primary school teaching, there were no jobs. Um, they they offered packages to all of the teachers out there, and none of them took them. So mm -hmm. there were there were no jobs. So I went and did a one year um, uh, course at Hamilton Secondary College. They had an adult campus there with uh, a guy called Rob Farnan who some 
of your audience, I'm sure, would know. Um, <laughs> had an awesome time. Uh, got to the end of it. Um, uh, we had a graduation showing and... Hopefully, hopefully none of my classmates are out there, but um, uh, they were slack. They just didn't get anything together. And so I ended up with a showreel that was showing and a whole bunch of work at the graduate um, exhibition that, um, you know, was way ahead of where my classmates were. Um, I ran into someone there who asked if I wanted to do a week's work experience. And so um, I turned up for a week's work experience at um, at a business college called Prides. Um, uh, they had just started a digital media course, one of the first first ones in Adelaide. And um, uh, I turned up to do some work experience. So here's, here's the, the reason why this story is important. I said yes. And then I said yes again. I said yes, I'm going to get the stuff ready for the graduation. Then I said yes, I'm going to do a week's work experience and see what happens. And on the first day, um, uh, the, the teacher said, uh, do you want to go through some 3D stuff? And I was like, yeah, cool, of course. I'm, that's what I do. Um, and so the, uh, the students seemed really into it. So I was like, hey, this has been an awesome day. Went home that night, um, uh, came back the next day, and the teacher said, uh, do you want to go through some more 3D stuff? I'm like, yeah, sure, no worries, I'm enjoying this. Um, uh, after, like, the third day, I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Um, <laughs> and it turned out that uh, the person that was meant to take 3D had got a job and <laughs> had made a run for it. Um, and so uh, by the end of the week, I had a full-time job. And that full-time job was um, teaching uh, adults. So I've, I've got a junior primary school um, teaching degree and I've taught nothing but adults. <laughs> <laughs> I did some prac teaching in classrooms, but apart from that, it's been nothing but adults. Um, adults and, are just big kids anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, I see what I figured out really quickly was that little kids don't understand sarcasm and I'm pretty sarcastic. <laughs> and so it was, it was probably better that I ended up teaching adults <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, one of my students was Justin. <laughs> he was an he was an excellent student. He was one of those students that said, uh, "I'd say here's the brief," and he'd go, "That brief sounds awesome, Shane, but I'm going to do twice that." And so every project, the scope just exploded um and uh, and he was an awesome student did some amazing work and um troy ended up as a, a co-teacher um uh, so troy and i actually ran um that that course uh, went right through to advanced diploma for quite a few years and um uh we were you know we were really really flying along and then the business college crashed and burned <laughs> and the <laughs> Once again, it's, this is all this is all coming together here. You, you're going to like you're going to like this, Alex. Um, so the business college crashed and burned, and I had a whole bunch of students who were halfway through their course, and um, no way of finishing it. Um, and I mean, Troy and I felt terrible um, about that. Um, so we had a chat with the folks at um, TAFE at uh, Tea Tree Gully. Hey your old alma mater, and, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, they were just starting a, um, a – or getting ready to start a game, game art course, which, of course, grew into a, a really successful course. Um, and so I, I asked, like, can we teach our students out there and finish off their, 
their advanced diplomas. And so that's what we did. We um, we uh, went out to Tea Tree Gully every day and we taught taught all of those students and all of them ended up with their advanced diploma. Um, I run into so many of them in industry, it's, uh, it just makes me super happy. Um, uh, you know, it was it, it was a really, it, it was a win-win for everyone. And in the meantime, um, the TAFE folks asked whether I could hang around and help put together some game curriculum. So um, it worked out really well. Where does this go to Monkey Stack? In the meantime, Justin uh, had been out in the real world doing freelance and got offered the chance to pitch for a short film um, and uh, asked Troy and I to pitch alongside him. So we ended up in an office pitching a um, what was going to be a five-minute short film as our first job as, at, at Monkey Stack. Um, and uh, I won't I won't talk numbers, but there was enough in that short film, um, budget wise, to actually allow us to start Monkey Stack and keep it going for a year while we got the rest of the um, clients um, built up. Um, so, uh, of course, three of us in a in a room. We started off in Justin's parents' house back room um, with all of the computer gear that we already had. I had um, uh, a Max, a 3D Studio Max license. Um, you know, we, we cobbled we cobbled together a, a studio. Um, by the time we'd been going for a year, we had um, heaps of clients um, and anyone who went to our webpage thought that there was a lot more than three guys in there. <laughs> um, and, and that's because uh, I, I'm technical director um uh that's that's where i was kind of coming from troy was uh, is amazing at 2d and concept art and justin is an amazing animator um, i know he doesn't get enough time to animate anymore but just an, an incredible animator and so between the three of us we actually had like a whole studio's worth of people yeah because mm, you had the uh is that the website there was a website I remember seeing back in the day for Monkey Stack that I think it's probably changed a few times, but there mm -hmm. was the, because you were the red, green and blue yep. monkeys. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, <laughs> was that when, yeah, was that when the mouse affected the TV or was that afterwards? Oh, that that would have been a fair way down. So, so first of all, the red, green, um, blue monkey was because none of us wanted to be CEO or boss or um, anything like that. So, we that's just- That's another- <laughs> we Yeah, just that's something nah. I was going to ask. I'm just like- if you being the the teacher, like originally, was there like a a natural inclination to look towards you you for leadership, or was it for Justin because it was his project, or we were all just like we are babes in the wood with this project, yep. we're going to take this on evenly. Yeah, yeah, the third the third option. Yeah, <laughs> we were just like we were just like no no one's no one's the boss here, um, uh, no one's no one's going to be in control of the others at all, which is which is a terrible way to run a business, but an awesome way to run a business. Um, and yeah. because there were only three of us, um, it was it was really manageable. Um, and you know, the the three of us are um, smart enough cookies to know when when things were not working and when they were. Um, so it, 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 it worked out really well. I think if we'd expanded earlier, it would have been a bit harder. And I know Justin and Troy, you know, once Monkey Stack did start to expand and, and I, I was still around at Monkey Stack when it, when it first started to expand, um, you know, we did start taking on those roles. So my, my official title went from Blue Monkey to Technical Director and, <laughs> and Justin was Producer. And, you know, it, it just, it started becoming a little bit hard to not play the game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, what kind of, like, how does it, how do you go from friends to running a business? Because that, that sounds like an easy kind of question, but it's very hard to navigate sometimes. <laughs> I, I found that with Melonhead, you know, they'll say that as well. It's a, yeah. it's a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for us, one of the things that was really important is that we tried it right from the get-go. Um, you know, the job that we took on was way too big for the three of us. Um, we did it. We got it together. We we delivered what we needed to deliver. Everyone was happy. It was It was all good, but it was, you know, we were – we were sleeping under desks. We were the, we were the cliche um, crunches, um, and yeah. uh, you know part of that was because we were inexperienced, and so um, you know parts of the project grew in scope that probably didn't need to um, from our side and from the client side, and so it did. It, yeah, it, it 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 was a it was a hard time. Uh, that's the kind of situation where either you get to the end of it and you say, that's awesome, let's keep doing it, or you get to the end of it and you go, I never want to see you guys again. (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, we got to the end of it and we are like, actually, that was not fun, but it was cool and let's see what we can do from here um and so we we just started looking for clients we just uh you know most of the clients that monkey stack was uh working with in those days and still um now are are advertising agencies so um you know monkey stack does some amazing new media stuff now that is uh, a big step away from that but the, the kind of the bread and butter work early on was with advertising yeah right, and and what was that movie that uh, started Monkey Stack? It was a it was it was actually a product launch. It was a um, product launch for um, uh, for Schneider, um, and it was a it was a sci fi piece that someone had um, written over there. Um, one of their uh, one of their their um, creatives, and uh, it was a three D animation, um, and it wasn't. You know, we can look back on it now and go that, you know, we would do this differently now. But we're talking a long time ago as well. So the software and hardware, like we were literally, there was no render farm. There wasn't even a render farmlet. It was just our computers. Um, So I remember sitting in the pub with Justin and doing the calculations on render time and going, Dude, we're dead. There's no way we can. (laughs) We can't. We can't do this. And so you know, then it was going back and and. Um, trying out different ways of rendering and um, you know that's that's where you know kind of my technical side kicked in while Justin's still just slaving away making animations and Troy was um, editing the film together and yeah it was it, it was it was crazy times but it was it was definitely good yeah right and um, was the intention to uh, start a studio like was it just going to be the one project and that's it or had you always wanted to start this kind of studio? I think, um, I mean, Justin was already out freelancing. So while Troy and I were kind of finishing up on the teaching stuff, um, uh, Justin was already out freelancing and it already had a successful 
um, business underway. Um, and so it was, it, it was a case of um, it would be cool if we could do this as a job, um, but you kind of you go, we'll just figure this out as we go. Um, none of us wanted to go into debt to create a business. Um, we wanted to just have a business that was rolling and was cash flow uh, was was enough to just keep it going. So, um, and you know that's that that's that's one way of running a business. Another way is to take out big loans and you know buy all of the capital and all of that sort of stuff. We we just we just fell into it in some ways. Yeah, and um, imagining starting with just the three, it, you, you're pretty three. It's a triangle. It's the strongest shape. You can you can you know settle discussions and yep. move quickly. Pretty agile. Small enough yeah. to be st- uh, like small, but large enough to brainstorm and, and yeah. be a strong unit. Yeah, and I guess what what we realised really early on at Monkey Stack was that that was our strength, was that even though there were only three of us there, which, as you said, is actually really easy to manage, between the three of us, we had the skill set of probably like five or six people. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the most general of generalists. Um, uh, I, I'm not a, a super specialist in any area, um, but I'm a I'm a generalist towards specialist in lots of areas and so were Troy and Justin and so um, you know suddenly we had this studio where there were three of us but actually it felt like there was a studio of five or six people at least um, and, and a lot of our clients would would have made that assumption for sure yeah right um, and back onto the education because mm-hmm. you know like you've been you know, so instrumental in me like you know becoming an artist and what i've done and all my friends like you know there's imprints of you and in all of us basically um but because of that i'd have to ask like to you what does it mean to be an educator like what what are the responsibilities you feel like you have as opposed to the responsibilities you do have because i know you would take it that step higher you know yeah so and and once once again you know hearing hearing this kind of stuff is all that that's what that's why I want to be an educator. You know, I've, I've run into people um, uh, in industry and gone, I'm not sure how that person got there. Like they've had, they've had a winding journey. And then there's other people where I go, yeah, that person was always going to end up at, in that position. Um, so part of being an educator is trying to matchmake a little bit. It's trying to um, – aim people in the right direction. It's really hard to 100% motivate someone if they don't want to be motivated. Um, so I guess I guess if you wanted to um, use a, a cliched term, you'd say that being an educator is being an enabler. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's it, it really is. It's, it's all about enabling people um, to unlock their creativity. It's about enabling people to realise where their strengths and weaknesses are, um, to get a clearer idea of the industry and the games industry is a really interesting one of course and um, you know one of the problems with and the advantages with the game um, uh, industry is that people want to make games because they love playing games there's not too many people out there who go i really want to make games but i actually don't like playing games at all Um, but the problem is then you get some people who go like uh okay i really want to make games then they find out how hard it is to make games and they go actually i just like playing games um (laughs) 
there's a there's a middle ground though, and what I, what I've found um, as an educator is that that middle ground is where people realize that they don't want to make games, but they want to make parts of games. They want to tell stories. They want to do animation. They want to make cool models. Um, you know, there's a there's there's a a, a step down from I'm going to do everything. And you guys know at, at Melonhead, you you are in the the kind of okay, we've got to make the whole game. We've got to do this whole thing. We've got to learn blueprints and we got to do this and we got to do that and someone's going to have to really step up in the coding and um that's hard that's that's really hard um uh because the scope is constantly growing and your brain gets full um so so I, i think i think as an educator part of my job is to just get people rolling and then see what happens from there um uh sometimes people need a little push um, I've I've taught people who have come into courses that I've taught in who have said I'm 100% going to be a 3D animator, and like six months later they're like an amazing concept artist, or vice versa. Um, so so yeah, I, I guess it's um it's helping people find the path. Yeah, right. And uh, on that, you know, of having so many students come through, do you find uh, you'll pull inspiration from them as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, those those wind down evenings are often because I've just sat and watched like you know fifty awesome pieces of work being presented by um proud students, and that there's no way you can not be inspired by that. Um, so, uh, so you know, for for me, um, I like to try and. Take, take that back the other way. So inspire people by making stuff. Um, I don't like that that terrible old adage that those who can do and those who can't teach. I think that's yeah. rubbish. Um, yeah. There's lots of amazing teachers out there, um, uh, and there's lots of amazing practitioners out there who are terrible teachers. Like there's <laughs> there's people who are incredible at using the software and that they don't they don't make good teachers so um yeah for for me though personally um i i make stuff to try and keep people realizing that i'm i I enjoy doing this um Mm. and if i enjoy making the art then i probably enjoy doing the teaching as well and i think that actually does make a difference yeah and does it um does it have a toll on you like to as you said you've taught so many students over the years um and every one of them would have would feel like they have that you know personal connection with you do you just run out of bandwidth <laughs> like emotional bandwidth you know I, especially I, yeah yeah that's a that's a really good way to put it. Um, some some days some days uh, I I do run out of bandwidth, and it's um, it's usually because um, there's just too many things on at once. Um, I I would hope that none of my um, students would notice that. Um, but there's been times where I've stood up in front of a class and said, okay, I'm just going to let you know today, I'm not up for it today. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be running at 100%. Um, I think it's really uh, useful to be honest as a teacher and let people know that this this happens. And I've got lots of students who deal with, as I said before, mental health issues that I, I don't deal with personally. Um, uh, yes, I get tired. Yes, I get burnt out a little bit. Yes, I have to kind of 
find that extra bandwidth sometimes. But um, for some of my students, I know it's it's much worse than that. Um, and so what, what I tend to try and do is just let them know that, yes, I understand. Um, I'm not I'm not running into the same problems you are, um, but I definitely understand where what's what's happening there. Um, that can be draining as a teacher. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's some, there's some, hot, there's plenty of um, uh, research out there on how stressful teaching is. Um, and I can tell you right now, and you, you know already, that it is. It's a super stressful job. You've got people in front of you that you're trying to help and trying to do the right thing by. And um, not everyone's, you know, not everyone's up for that. So there's there's conflict, there's wins, there's losses. It's um it's a really tough job, um, and not everyone can do it. Um, I I I haven't seen you teach, but I I can guarantee that you're the sort of person that could teach for sure. Um, and I'm sure that I'm sure that your students would be if they're listening, will be going yep. Because um, because you like sharing, and that's um, you know that that's a big part of being a teacher is is just sharing stuff. Yeah. Oh well, I I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's um, well, yeah. It's you know you're definitely one of, if not the most, you know, influential teacher I've had because of. I mean, like you technically influences podcast, like the pixel art that was from the thirty three oh one. I think it was when you do the pixel art thing or whichever one it was. Yeah. That, that was the first exposure I'd ever had to doing my own, you know, kind of thing. It was out of totally out of left field. Yeah, you know? and that's uh, you know that this is this is where as a teacher you make some decisions along the way. So, um, uh, digital games three thousand and five, I reckon that that was, and yeah. um, uh, one of the first um, projects we do as a pixel art self portrait as a superhero or a supervillain and that's it that's it and um uh and that's because in that topic there's you guys who are game makers and you know the software and you you're into it and then in that same topic there's like a philosophy student and there's a um a com student and a a screen student and i always start with pixel art because you know what pixel art's like. There's only so many places you can put a pixel on a 32 by 32 pixel character. And so it's really easy for people to have a win. And I think that's a big part of teaching um, and also keeping creativity and motivation is just having a win. Um, so, you know, I've, I've seen students in there who have made really cool little um, pixel art characters of themselves um, who have never done any art before. Um, not just pixel art, but no art, um, and so so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to really glad to hear that because it's it's easy to kind of go, oh, pick pixel art, you know, it's because Shane's old and retro and played <laughs> played too many games as a kid, um, uh, but but actually there was a really specific reason why. why I chose that art form. Um, Any kind of low fidelity art, I think, allows for people to to have a win no matter what their level. Yeah, like it, I'm not sure which of the uh, gestalt or gestalt, I never learned how to pronounce that principle Mm -hmm. it would cover, but that idea of your your brain, and why a lot of those retro games and retro music work so well is your brain filling in Mm -hmm. the gaps, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and having that effect. So with you, you know, having that foresight into saying um, it's an 
uh, quote unquote easy win. Like, you know, it's, mm. it's an achievable thing to get you started. Um, I'm wondering, like, what have you identified as the the weakest areas for students? Because the, the, what I've identified so far is um, like mood boarding and referencing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so this, as I said, this is only my first year of, of teaching and I've done web development, game development and um, digital media. Mm. And their first years, second years and third years and throughout the whole thing that they're, they're not, they, uh, not all of them, but some of them struggle to um, ideate or, um, you know, reference things. They want to, they want to develop the first idea that's in their head. And, and mm-hmm. what I try to tell them is that the first idea in your head is probably a bus stop commercial <laughs> that you saw or something like that. Like yep. Yep. you have to pull from things like wondering what, where are you, have you seen um, students struggle with the most? I, I think you you you're right you're right on it there. Um, uh, there's there's one end of the scale where someone wants to tell massive stories and there's just no possibility. So you know, okay, we're going to do a project. You've got ten weeks to work on it, and someone wants to make Skyrim. All right, it's just not possible. However picking a vertical slice of Skyrim and saying, I'm just going to do one village and it's going to have four houses. You're going to be able to walk around it and it's going to have some interactive lights and things like that. That's now back within scope. Um, So I think one of the biggest weaknesses um, I see with students is just managing scope. Um, uh, But part of that is exactly what you were just talking about and this brings it all the way back to what i said really early on it's the process and trusting in the process trusting that if you're going to do some thumbnails of a character it's not going to be the first five it's going to be probably in in the in the 10 to 20 thumbnail that is going to, you're going to go ah oh, that's what it is and as you said sometimes you've got to um, flush your brain of all of the stuff that you've seen in stranger things and stuff like that um <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing at all, because um, uh, for me, um, and this is, you know, once again, this is where students do have trouble, and I think this is hopefully going to help some folks, is that um, just think about what the story is. What's the story that you're trying to tell? Um, Whether I'm doing a sculpt, like a traditional sculpt or an image or an animation or whatever it is, I'm always thinking about what's the story. Um, and often I get people say, um, you know, I, I, I do some kind of fun work, um, particularly on the traditional kind of sculpt side. I'm more of a model maker than a sculptor. But often people say, I really like the detail that you put in. And what they're really saying is not, I like the detail, but I like the fact that there's a story going on in the mm. background. And so, um, you know, it's 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 adding weathering to say that time has passed or it's, um, you know, making sure that if you've got a character who's um, in a post-apocalyptic world that you actually do play to that story. Like, they're not going to have clean teeth and um, a perfect hairdo. Um, so so I think, uh, yeah, I think this brings it back to what you were saying. It's mood boards, it's concept, it's, um, it's doing brainstorming. Most people, um, when they do brainstorming, it's more like a sun shower. They just kind of go like, okay, I'm going to think of some ideas. And then like they write down 10 ideas and they choose one of the first five. Um, a real brainstorming. At, at Monkey Stack, we, some of the most fun days at Monkey Stack was just being locked in the boardroom and doing the early concept run on anything, whether it was a game or an ad or whatever, and just throwing in everything. There is no 
stupid idea. It is just absolutely um, everything in. Um, Robert um, Greenberg, a guy that um, unfortunately is no longer with us, but we we worked with him on something for Nickelodeon, and um, he used to call it the and this is quote unquote the no dur zone, and the no dur <laughs> zone means that there is no silly. There is no silly idea. You document everything because what might sound silly, like five minutes later, someone else says something and then you start clagging those things together and you go, wait, this was a terrible idea, but <laughs> with this, this, and this, it's an awesome idea. Um, yeah. uh, but, but that all comes back to that process once again. And it feels as well like the, um, that, the childlike creativity because like children aren't afraid to get something wrong, mm-hmm. but over time you're taught that there's only right and wrong. There's only <laughs> yeah. X can only equal X and it can't ever equal Y. One and one yeah. can't equal three. Um, so it's that like unlearning uh, right and wrong, basically. It's, un- like yeah, it's, a, it's unlearning the fear, that that fear mm-hmm. that, um, and, and I, I guess it comes back to what I was saying before. When you get to the point and you say, um, I'm going to make something, maybe it's not going to be as good as Pixar, but, it doesn't have to be as good as Pixar. Like, you know, Pixar films and their animation and their rendering, and everything, like that's hundreds of people working on that. If you're an individual and you end up making a really cool character that just bounces around on screen and makes people laugh, that's just as good. That In my yeah. books, in my books, that's just as important. And so, you know, that management of scope of bringing it down to what's achievable um, you know, I, I hate to squash anyone's dreams, but when someone says, this is the first thing I'm going to work on and it's going to be this massive project, um, I, I, you know, I can see exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be really into it and about six months time, they're going to go, I'm so over this. <laughs> and if they put all of their eggs in that one basket, it can be really dangerous. So, so uh, you know, for, for me, little tiny experiments and, um, you know, that's what makes great showreels and great portfolios mm. is little snippets of really cool stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be finished. Yeah. Yeah. And um, with the... With your role, you know, in the creative sector as, a, as an educator, like that probably the creative sector has changed. I mean, it's always changing, but the way that education is delivered, mm. you know, in the last X amount of years, like, you know, YouTube tutorials and Udemy courses um, and things like that. What, um, what can you talk to the strengths of um, like a, like a university setting mm. for, for creative? Cause I remember, you know, you and Katie pushing really hard to be able to make it so that, you know, the um the creatives the we could you know we could just do create like we could just create i could do create yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't do talk <laughs> um yeah like um so there's like an inherent rigidity if that's even a word or if i've just done a george mm-hmm. bush moment but there's like mm-hmm. a rigidity to a university um setting where they go all right what are the learning outcomes and objectives yep. Yep. um what do you still see as the strengths of formal education as opposed to going onto YouTube and just learning it all? Yeah, I, I, I totally understand the question. Um, and uh, 
um, you know, the the answer to it is that for for me, I think the biggest advantage is the networking and the the um, the one on one, the the group. I know everyone hates group work, but they're actually doing stuff with other people. Um, you you saw that in your study, joining together to make a project um, with with some of your buddies, um, and um, that's super valuable. And unfortunately, I think that's where people go wrong. They think that they can do that at home. They think that mm. they can just watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos. You can watch a ton of YouTube videos and learn how to do whatever in whatever software. But often what they're not teaching is why. <laughs> why mm. should you use that technique and when should you use it and is there a better way? Um, uh, I also feel like, uh, you know, you could be banging your head against the wall watching YouTube videos over and over again, making the same mistakes. And then you could come in and say to me, hey, Shane, this thing's not working. And I'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's the thousand times that that hasn't worked for me and this is how I fixed it. Um, yeah. So so that that level of um, I'm, not, I'm not better or smarter than my students, but I've got more experience in many ways and so I've made more mistakes <laughs> and so yeah. I can kind of aim people away from that and you just don't get that like you know I love the fact that everyone's making donuts and blender <laughs> but then yeah. but then everyone gets to the end of that tutorial and goes now I know blender and I say okay right so now instead of a donut make a car and they're mm. like Oh nah, I can't. <laughs> um, so so I think it's it's a holistic approach, and that's what a uni or or a TAFE or you know whatever whatever it is, it, as long as it's got a holistic um, kind of um, format, I think it's really important. Um, for me, what I want is my students to come out the other end of a degree and know all of the pipelines, not be able to do every part of the pipeline, but they should know the film pipeline, they should know the game pipeline, they should know the illustration pipeline, um, uh, and where they belong in it. Um, uh, because what you don't get if you work on your own, um, just kind of messing around at home, you don't get um, the consequences. You don't get the consequences of getting something wrong and handing it off to someone who then says, I can't rig this model because it's got two million polys. Um, you, you don't get that. So um, so I think, I, I think in many ways, it, it really is just that holistic approach. Um, I guess the other thing is, um, you know, yes, you can get cool hardware and software at home now, but being in a lab and having someone lean over and say, try this, that's way, way better if they're a good teacher. I believe yeah. I'm a good teacher. I believe I'm yeah. surrounded by good teachers. Um, and that's, yeah, that's that that's important. Yeah, no, that's that that's definitely resonates. Someone once said to me, um, a coworker was said that um, a mentor has the answer to the questions you don't even know you have yet. Yep. Yep. And yep. Um, that's that, that was something I kind of repeated to uh, my students in my first weeks with them. Basically, um, I mean, you've definitely covered things that I definitely would never have even considered. Um, the one that I, I always was resonating to was, um, yeah, that mentoring. Um, and I said, to, I just outright said to them, I'm like, uh, like, it's no secret that you can learn this stuff mm -hmm. on YouTube. Um, and the same thing to what you said, it was that you can plug anything you want into Google. Like, you know, if you're doing a website, you can 
do any kind of JavaScript in Google, but Google's not going to tell you that's going to cause a memory leak. That's going to cause yeah. a don't do that. Yeah. It's going to tell you exactly what you want. Like, yeah. It's um, those consequences that, again. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. curation, the, yeah. you know, I've collected this knowledge. I've collected these resources. This will help you. Yeah. And I think I think the more software and hardware and techniques that you use, the more you start to see how that all intermeshes. And, you know, I always use, it's similar to what you were just saying, but I use the adage that um, uh, you can get a recipe book and you can learn how to make a cake. But if you just follow the recipe and make that cake, you know how to make a cake. You're not a chef. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're a chef, you've learned how to make a cake. You know how to how to cook a roast beef. All of those things, and you know, okay, well, if I do this, it's going to affect the food in this way. And I think that's you know that that's really important. And uh, you know, this is why I I think a degree. Um, that has a generalist nature is is really important. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, running a degree next year, which is called game production, and it's not yeah. about it, like coding is an option. It's more about the creation of assets and the storytelling and narrative and all of that sort of stuff. Um, uh, some of those students are going to be amazing coders as well, but it's that's not what it's aiming at doing. It's it's aiming at creating. Um, assets and stories um so so you know it's it's a it's a a holistic approach if someone needs to learn blueprints to be able to run around in the scene and open a door great now they're motivated to do that if i say to someone today we're going to learn how to do blueprints and we're going to open a door everyone goes "Mm." Um, (laughs) uh, uh, except someone like yourself who goes yeah let let me at it um uh that's you know to to me it's it I prefer to get people to make projects and as they make projects, they're learning along the way. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm very glad you brought up the, um, the new Flinders course that's coming up. We, uh, we heard about it first on um, an episode maybe about a year ago from Dan mm-hmm. Thorsland. Mm-hmm. I was yep. saying it was getting in development. Um, yeah. You've, you've touched on a bit of it there. Like what, what else can you tell us? Does it plug into that CDW connection? Uh a, a little less than the V degree. So the V degree, um, visual effects and entertainment design, um, you know, that that is 100%, you know, a partnership with CDW and um, and is uh, really successful because of that. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other um, courses that go alongside that. So Simon's doing amazing short courses. Um, uh, at Flinders, we've got the BCIs, so the Bachelor of Creative Industries, um, film and television, interaction, um, um, and digital media, and they're more kind of, they're even more holistic than what Veed is. So Veed's all about, like, it's about the art. I, I like to think of our Veed degree as just a really kick-ass art school um, yeah. uh, that happens to have cool tech, uh, you know, running behind it. Um, uh, for for some of the other courses, though, it's much more about the the landscape of the um, industry and things like that. So, um, so I think uh, you know, as far as the game production um, goes, Flinders is 
just filled and CDW, of course, filled with this network of amazing artists and practitioners. So, you know, I was sitting in the void the other day with a UE4 scene up on the big screen um, uh, with the drama lecturer um, uh, directing her students um, while the screen lecturer is directing and uh, um, Helen is shooting stuff on the on the camera. Um, you know, that was a room full of practitioners and students and graduates who'd come back because they were really interested in doing stuff. Um, so I think uh, I, I think that's that's the key. Um, so as, as far as like narrative in games, yes, there's some amazing folks out there who are teaching narrative in games. But uh, you know we've got Sean Williams at um, at Flinders. He's written best-selling Star Wars books and things like that. He's coming at it from a slightly different angle, but he loves this stuff. So he's like, I just want to tell a story. But if a game is the best way to tell that story, I'm on board um yeah. so so that I, I guess i guess the advantage we have is that it, it is a university and there's academics and there's practitioners and there's students and graduates all in together um it does it does actually make for an awesome melting pot yeah cool and that's starting uh next year i guess next year one. yep 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 semester one um so b it's a bca so bachelor of creative arts um uh game production so mm. not to be not to be confused with um so down down the hill at tonsley they've uh they've been running a game development course and that's much more coding based um so so i guess what we're doing is we're kind of hitting both ends of that market and then there's going to be students like yourself who are in the middle doing all of it right yeah. you're you're the you're the one who's saying yeah i want to make the art but i want to do the code behind the art as well um so you so you end up with a a really interesting graduate list of people who are predominantly artists predominantly coders and then somewhere in the middle and then a sliding scale between all of those things that's that's what i am i'm that sliding scale i jump back and forth constantly i'm an artist who knows tech yeah that's a good way to put it and um with the with these um uh, with this course, what do you, what's the what if, what's Flinders envisioning that the like the graduate looks like? Are they um, like is it to start their own studio or is it to slot into an indie or you know they can head to uh, wherever either Bethesda or you know, Microsoft. All, of, all of the above. And we've already seen this from degrees that we're already running. And and look, it's not just Flinders. Um, you know, I, I don't want this to sound like an advert because there's lots of amazing stuff going on um, uh, where people are, um, you know, they're coming out the end of degrees with such amazing knowledge that it's making people who have been around an industry kind of stand up and go, whoa, like what, <laughs> what is even going on here? Y you know yourself, you can't be a dinosaur in this industry i might be old i've got a gray beard i've been doing this for a, a million years um but i'm still opening up new software every day um yeah. so so for me the graduate looks like someone who tells great stories makes great art um uh, understands the coding pipeline um uh, but more importantly um uh, can troubleshoot and mm. can then find what they need to do whether that is okay i need to learn how to do this thing or whether it's i need to find the person who's really good at doing that thing and join the team um yeah. that's that's the important part yeah right and it, it's funny you mentioned the um 
how the different softwares that you're always opening. Cause I was talking today to, um, uh, another past student. Um, he was a year below me, Adam, um, Adam Williams, Williams. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. He's working mm-hmm. at model farm. And, yep, um, yep. we were, we were just talking about that. I was saying how I'm going to be chatting to you today. And, um, we've been like, yeah, any program. And he was like, yeah, he was developing an AR, um, a thing for AR and, you knew the program and yeah. I remember <laughs> you knowing the program and I think you got us, what was that program you got a sculpting in? Uh, it was like the web browser Sculpt, based. Sculptress. Yeah, Sculptress, yeah. you know, Sculptress. like yeah. even these ones, like it's just, um, and that's incredibly inspiring as well for a student because um, your brain's a melting pot at that yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah. Or it's like molten yep. metal and it's going to set, you know, pretty quick. So if you could learn in that moment, yeah. to keep adapting and keep changing in that. Yeah. Yeah, you need yeah. to get to the point where you can open nearly any piece of software, have a quick glance and kind of know what's happening in it. So like yeah. y- you know, I can open up any piece of digital sculpting software and at least have an idea of what's happening in there and 3D and 2D and animation and all of that sort of stuff. Um the advantage that I've got is it's because I I am old and I've <laughs> I've opened thousands of pieces of software and played um but that is once again what that part of that wind down is just playing um and so i've been doing heaps of sculpts um recently in nomad sculpt which is like a 29 dollar um app that you can buy for android and iphone or, or ipad and it's it's awesome it's really really good um mm. and so you know i i, I can open up zbrush but I can also just sit on my couch and sketch away on my iPad with like five million, well, actually five million. The um, scene that I was working on last night had 12 million polys hey. on an iPad Pro, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right. And that, that's the adventure. That, that's, the, that's where it all comes down to. That's that enabling that I was talking about before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so where, where would you say is a good place for, just say, um, an accountant is listening to this and they're like, I am done <laughs> with the numbers and all these yeah. things. And I want to jump into something, but it's all too intimidating. Where's a good place for them to start? Like, you know, you said you've got the iPad that you're doing the sculpting yep. on the program's yep. pretty cheap. Yep. Um, and, and you know what, to make it even harder, they have no idea what they want to do. They just remember that they liked games as a kid. Cause there's so yep. many people we've talked to on this podcast who I think maybe two uh, had a clear trajectory. No, maybe I mean, maybe one had a clear trajectory into games. Yep. None, none of them started at it. Even Jillian yep. um, uh, uh, Thibodeau, um, I know I butchered that last name, but she was uh, lead UX on Rock Band games and things mm-hmm. like that. And she was a barista, and yep. uh, she just took the order of yep. um, uh, the director and got into testing and things like that. So no one has like traver- has made that clean. Um, I started here and I ended yep. up there. They yeah. all jump. So speaking to that accountant or to that barista or whoever, how, what would you recommend is the way they start? Yep. Same thing as I tell my students every day, make stuff. That's it. Mm. Num- number one, make stuff. Doesn't matter what you're making. Doesn't matter what, how you're making it, whether you download, um, what's it called, Critter or Crider or however you pronounce it. It's like free free kind of or very cheap version of Photoshop. I use Procreate more than Photoshop now. Um, uh, you know, there's apps out there that just let you play 
um, uh, with with some really high level kind of art tools, but it, you're literally just playing. Um, uh, I, that's it. That's it. And then my my advice is small projects, lots of wins. So just mm. make something, get a win, move on. Every piece you make the next piece is going to be a little bit better and you'll start opening more doors. So you'll go, okay, that was really fun. But now I've found in Nomad Sculpt that it only does vertex texturing. So now I need to get it out and retopologize it. And so I'm going to use instant meshes, which is free um, to retopology or cozy blanket, which once again is a relatively cheap. Um, there's a whole bunch of ways that you would then move further down that that pipeline um but in, in essence it's just making stuff if you're a barista keep a sketch pad next to you on the desk and while you haven't got customers and you're not meant to be doing something just draw draw stuff draw mm. you know little still lives or just draw eyeballs whatever yeah. whatever as long as you're creating um it's it's going to add it's going to add to your thing um for me the um, the the biggest thing is building up a visual library. So, the bigger your visual library is, um, uh, the better your work becomes um, over the, you know over the time. So, um, so yeah, just make stuff. Simple as that. I know. And it leans into what, No, no, yeah, I understand you're, you're, what you're getting at. Do you, and that kind of leans into what you were saying before about you know the more like oh you know you were saying it in the sense before of um if you're how did you say it? But basically the more that you um, work on, the more people you work with, uh, you understand like what you're making, what kind of yep. weight that has. But the same, yeah. I guess, can be done in solo of what you're saying of the more you make things, the more uh, the more these tools you use, the more you learn how each part of the development kind of links together and yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think I think the key to it in in the long run is, and and this is something that I have to explain to people often. So you're talking about the fractal images that I do. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I really like playing with procedural art, and uh, so often people will say, "Hey, I really like that. What piece of software did you make that in?" And I go the six pieces of software that have touched <laughs> that image along the way. Um, yeah. So I might start out with Fractal Lab, um, which is like a 3D browser that's web-based, and then I'll take a screen cap out of that, and then I'll drop that into Procreate, and then I'll take it into Mirror Lab, and I'll start playing around with some of the tools in there. So by the time I get to the end, that one image has actually had six pieces of software touch it. Yeah. That's the difference between someone who's a you know just just pushing pixels around and someone who actually really understands um the the process and it's the same for traditional sculpture um i, I need to make an armature first and the armature is made out of wire and then i'm going to put my clay on it but then i have to know you know if i want to make a mold of that how do i make the mold how do i create my sculpture so i can make the mold um you know there's a there's rules upon rules upon rules and the further down the rabbit hole you go the better off you are um even if it's just to know what the next person's going to do mm. Actually, speaking of uh, of which, because with the um, the physical sculpting and creating that you make, um, you had a because you make a lot of you know the little dioramas and the mm -hmm. and the props and things like that. There was a thing that Adam Savage saw of yours, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I um, and that that was a that was a good example of um the experimentation that I'm talking about. So uh, I really wanted to get into 3D printing. I got a 3D printer, I, and this is back in the days where it was filament alone. There was no resin printing as such. Um, uh, and so I decided to do a couple of projects. I did a series of um, sculpts called Doorways, and I did um, uh, this kind of mecha raven, um, so like a steampunk kind of raven. And um, for, for me, it was just learning how the 3D printer worked. Um, mm. but, it, but it was a project that had an outcome as well. Um, and it was 3D printed, and then I, um, you know, I filled areas with clay, and I put pins in it and I turned it into something that's much more than just a 3D print. Um, so my 3D file did not look like that thing looked like at <laughs> the end. Um, because if I'd tried to build everything into the 3D file, it never would have printed. It wouldn't have worked. Um, and this is a this is a lesson, I, I think, um, to, you know, this is probably the biggest lesson. Share your stuff, right? Yeah. So I threw it out there into the world. I threw it out into Twitter. Um, I'd been on the tested um, uh, mailing list for ages. Um, uh, I happened to post it on Twitter. Um, I tagged tested um, uh, who uh, then ended up getting um, you know, linked up with Adam Savage. And so I woke up um, the next morning and um, opened up Twitter and like the notifications were, instead of showing a number, it just had a little dash because it had gone beyond <laughs> the number that it could count. Um, and oh. I was like, whoa, what's happened here? And it was because Adam Savage had found it and just tweeted um, the link and um, just a, a really nice comment about this being awesome or something like that. I've still got the tweet stuck on my hard yeah. drive. Um, <laughs> uh, and and it got shared and shared and shared and shared. Um, uh, I met some amazing artists because of that. Um, so, you know, if there is a takeaway from today, I guess the, the, the big takeaway for me is don't leave stuff sitting on your hard drive. Yeah. Um, share it. Social media is, uh, yes, it's a piranha pit, but at the same time, um, uh, what a time to be alive where you can throw your work out there. Um, when I was first around, sharing my work was sharing to the people in the room. <laughs> now yeah. you can share to like millions um so so yeah look and, and that that was a that was a big moment for me but there's a, I, I can i can definitely say that you know i've had stuff on instagram on twitter on facebook um that has garnered likes and comments from people who i really respect um uh, and have it started a relationship with those people as a fellow artist rather than as just a invisible person on the on the internet so yeah share your stuff folks yeah. do it make stuff and then share it that's it yeah absolutely like i definitely remember that you katie um simon telling us just go for it like yep. what's the worst that's going to happen and i remember reaching out to artists on art station and, and getting my first reply and mm -hmm. you know, it means the world it's five minutes out of their day but to you it's yeah still sticks with you you know yeah 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 have you ever like Pretty confronting question um, as well on a podcast. Have you ever thought about adding podcasting to your repertoire? Like I could so see you doing like a, because you're talking about, you know, in the classroom, you can reach back in your, when you yep. started only yep. a limited number of people. And, you know, you're, this is something you've reflected on is yeah. education. Like if you had like a small 
like small so you don't have to uh interfere with your other hobbies but like you know a five minute here's what i'm working on here's yeah. the program a little yeah. random program like yeah i'm just sitting in in awe like learning again you know like <laughs> this is this is um yes Yes, you've you've found my secret retirement plan. So my secret <laughs> retirement plan is that I'm going to get um, old enough to retire and then become an influencer. So, <laughs> so, so for me, and and it's a it's a really good question, and it's a question that I've dealt with over and over, both online and from students. Um, uh, you know, they know I make a lot of stuff, and they know that. Um, you know, some of my stuff is hit or miss, but some of it really hits and people really enjoy it. Um, uh, and often people say, why don't you monetize it? Why don't you get, get it out there? Um, and my answer is that I've got time. So I'm a full-time teacher and I mean really full-time. Mm. So I've got time beyond the teaching to either make the art or monetize the art. I haven't mm. got time for both. So, yeah. so for me, if I started, like, it's a, it's, it's a big job, like monetizing something like, you know, I'm doing some toy sculpts at the moment that I am going to, you know, put out for sale. Um, and it's massive. It's huge. And then you got to worry about the marketing and, um, you know, just postage and stuff like that. Um, I don't have time for that and make the art and it's mm. remember i said before that the art keeps me sane yeah. if i if i start working full-time as a lecturer and then full-time as a project manager um marketing person mold maker blah 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 um i'm in trouble right I, i'm yeah. gonna lose something and the thing that i'll lose is the art um so it it is um I, I totally get it and people ask the question all the time. I I would love to make YouTube videos and I've got some really good friends um uh, who make YouTube videos and and you know folks like yourself who do podcasts and stuff. It's it's awesome. I think it's amazing what you guys do. Uh, I I could do it, but I'm going to lose something along the way. There's only so many there's only so many things I can do before like it's i'm gonna have to discard some i can't discard the teaching that's my career and that is my passion i can't discard the art because that's my passion and that's what's mm. keeping me sane so but my retirement plan whew, geez, <laughs> wow this gonna i'm gonna be some doddery old guy on youtube saying remember the days <laughs> um, it, it, it'll be fun believe me i will tune into every episode <laughs> awesome uh, I would um, thank you so much for you know stopping by, and I'd love okay. to have you on as whenever you can, whenever you can spare a moment. It's yeah, it's been great just you know learning from you again after all these years and. <laughs> No, yeah. thank, th thanks so much. And you know, um, uh, as soon as you as soon as you put the word out, I was like, "Yep, I've been waiting. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to be on there. I'm hoping that something that I've said has helped someone out there. Um, uh, but but yeah, look, thanks for all the kind words. It does. It really does mean something when, as a teacher, you hear this stuff. Um, you hope that that's what's happening, but you're never a hundred percent sure. Um, I'm not. 90% sure that I make a difference, but yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to actually hear it out loud. So I, 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 I 
really appreciate that. Um, uh, what you guys are doing for the local game industry, and not just you guys, but the local game industry, this is something that I have to return to. I've been so busy that I've fallen off that wagon, and um, you know I need to get back to getting to some of the events and things like that. So this is um, you know a, a great great kind of door opener. Um, uh, I'm. I don't know how you throw this out there on social media, but you know, links to my website and things like that. Mm. Go for it. Not not because I need the hits, but because if anyone spots anything there and just goes, what, how, where, what is that? Um, just just send me an email um, yeah. uh, or, or hit me up on any of the social medias. Um, and where I, can people find you? There's Tardigrade and uh, Tentacles. Yep. Yeah, so Tardigrades and Tentacles is my my main website. Um, I would say that it is the least updated. Um, yeah. uh, however, it's there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had there. Um, I'm just Shane Bevan everywhere else. So on Facebook, on um, Twitter, on Instagram, especially probably the thing that gets updated the most would be Instagram. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, honestly, if anyone finds anything in my feed or if I post something. And you want to know how I did it? Just ask. I, I, you know, one of the things that um, I think makes a teacher once again is um, people who are willing to share, not hide. So mm. I'm never going to say I can't tell you my secrets. Um, yeah. That's not what. That's not what this is about. Yeah. There, w- there was a series of uh, uh, drawings that you did. You just reminded me. Um, uh, there was like the procrastination. Oh yeah, the uh, monster. Yep, the yep. production uh, demons. Production demons. That's yep. it. I want them framed. Like I want framed, <laughs> but they they spoke so well because that was during the thick of um yeah melonhead. You know, so like yeah, yeah, yeah. They really helped all those yeah. things. Being I, like, I, oh, I'm I, not crazy. I use that in a workshop now. Um, you yeah. know, I, I did that for fun and to get them out of my head. Um, uh, but I use them in a workshop now because it, it is a great thing to tell people there's, there's problems with production. They, these are the things that are going to catch you and this is let's open a discussion. So, yeah. Yep. That's perfect. Thank awesome. you so much, Shane. My heart no is filled and everyone's brain is filled <laughs> and this Thank has been you. great. No worries. <laughs> awesome. Th- thanks so much for the opportunity and, uh, um, yeah, just, just yell any other, any, any time. <laughs>